Hello and welcome to Delete, Delete, Engage, the podcast supercharging engagement at work with tips and insights from some of the world's finest communicators. My latest guest, Zoe Fafadari, is one of those rare individuals who has led brand, internal comms and customer experience. So she really understands better than most the positive impact that engaged employees can have on the brand and on the customer experience. Today, Zoe is Chief Brand and Corporate Affairs Officer at Booper, and she's responsible for establishing the global brand narrative that supports the company's purpose, generating engagement with customers, colleagues, the media and policymakers. And during our chat, we talked about why she decided initially to move from brand comms into internal comms while she was still at Talk Talk, what internal comms can learn from the brand discipline and vice versa, and we discussed the link between employee engagement and a positive customer experience, and also how to successfully connect back office roles to real customer challenges. We talked budgets and whether internal comms should be given more of the brand budget pot. And we also chatted about the authenticity of purpose and the power of values-driven storytelling. Whether you have an interest in brand, employee engagement, or the customer experience, I think there's plenty for my chat with Zoe to give you food for thought. Enjoy the podcast. Zoe, welcome to Delete, Delete, Engage. I'd like to start by chatting about your career path, if that's okay, because you've got a really interesting CV. Uh, You're now Chief Brand and Corporate Affairs Officer at Booper, and in your career, you've led brand comms, customer experience and internal comms for the likes of Carphone Warehouse and TalkTalk. So could you just tell me what prompted that initial move from brand comms into internal comms? Yeah. Firstly, thanks for having me, Hugh. Great to uh, to be here. And and I guess what prompted that that initial move from brand comms to internal was a number of things as ever. I think I've been working in brand communications for a few years. Um, I'd also been working in sponsorship, had, had really enjoyed all of those experiences. But I suppose there was this opportunity as the internal comms role came about to... I suppose, make sure that we were the brand that I'd been busy telling everybody externally that we were and just make sure that our culture and our values and the way that we made decisions, that that was really clear for our people and that that's what we started to then demonstrate externally with how the brand portrayed itself. So it was a chance to really, I guess, influence from the inside out. That's really interesting. And so um, how did you end up in your current role from Booper today? Because you went into internal comms, then I believe you you took on a customer experience role and then internal comms, now now brand. So talk me through that a little bit. Yeah, well, I suppose there's, there is a consistent theme with, with all the roles I've taken, which is really, you know, I do enjoy being creative. I enjoy finding out interesting stories that we can play back to people that will make them feel excited and engaged to be part of a programme. I suppose when I worked for Talk Talk doing internal communications, that was absolutely the case, finding out interesting um, stories and making sure that people felt really aware and up to date as to what was happening in the business. Moving then into customer experience was an exciting progression, but it was really off the back of the fact that we'd worked hard on improving colleague engagement and colleague experience and focusing very much on employee net promoter score. And uh, that there was an opportunity, I suppose, to sort of take some of that passion and that I very much have for customer experience and making sure that, you know, we, we try to channel that into the customer experience and that we try to think about really how do we focus on net promoter score and focus on driving customer improvements. Yeah. And just on that, you know, that we talk a lot about the link between engaged employees and satisfied customers. 
So just how did you go about that kind of making that link? How important is that link? And, and what have you done to kind of uh, ensure that, that that connection is working as well as it can be? I mean, I think of it as a bit of a virtuous circle. So the, you know, the engaged employees are often engaged because they can feel that we're doing the right thing for our customers. And then once they see that we're you know, intent on that, that drives pride and that drives a sort of commitment to continuous improvement and a desire to keep doing it and keep serving our customers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I guess that's particularly the case when you have frontline roles, right, where, you, where you've got people who have that direct relationship with the customer. How about with the, with the kind of the back office roles? How do you sort of create that connection between, you know, the, the brand and the or the, you know, the, what they're doing and the customer experience then? There's a great initiative underway at Bupa at the moment called Customer Listening, which is um, it's an app that anyone can access but particularly leaders are encouraged to do so uh, in those back office roles that you mentioned and it's an app where we every week detractor calls customer calls are uploaded particularly the detractor calls so that we get to listen to some of the biggest pain points that our customers face the idea is that we then are able to submit ideas that we think might help improve that process and when you go through that, you're able to see if other if other colleagues have also submitted similar ideas and you can vote on those. So you submit through the channel, those ideas are read, considered, and then you have a response as to whether or not it will be taken forward. So there's a real close the loop kind of activity that's happening. And I've had a couple of emails actually in the last month that have said some of the ideas I've submitted are going to be taken forward. And that's a great boost, you yeah. know, um, and I'll share that with my team and try and encourage them to do the same. So there is this sort of real customer listening initiative underway. And some of the calls are hard to listen to, but that's the point um, and that actually we're all empowered every single colleague to contribute to vote to come up with ideas and to try and make a difference yeah no that's fantastic um, and just going back to the kind of that relationship between um, brand and internal comms you know how important is employee engagement to the health and vitality of a brand would you say well I'd, I'd say it's critical because I mean, our people are our biggest brand asset we want to consistently give them reasons to be proud that, that they chose to work for Bupa. So we've recently done a, a sponsorship agreement with the um, Team GB, the uh, Paralympic team. And um, that's oh, that's off the back of existing relationships that are already underway in Spain, Poland and Chile. And um, what we've seen really is this immense correlation between a brand building initiative, a sponsorship and how much pride and engagement that's driven in our people. Um, they want to talk about it. They want to, you know, whether that's on LinkedIn or social channels or at home with friends and family, you know, incredibly proud that we've found us a, a like-minded partner and that we can work together on trying to sort of drive inclusive sport and make sure that we are supporting people with disabilities. That's wonderful. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about the sponsorship of the uh, GB Paralympics team in a little while. But just in terms of of, of your personal experience and kind of what you've learned along the way, um, what would you say that you've you've learned from internal comms that you could apply to your brand experience? And then to flip that, what have you learned from brand that you think is relevant to the internal comms world? What can they learn from each other? Well, I suppose working in internal comms, as I said earlier, you know, it gives you the opportunity to shape the culture and the values of the business and to really get clear on who you are as a business and what you stand for. And that, that clarity of purpose can be kind of gold dust when it comes to shaping the brand strategy too. Um, it helps you lead with confidence. It helps you make consistent brand building decisions you know, that really align with how colleagues feel about the company that they work for. You know, as I said, our, our people really are our biggest asset. So um, they need to be our biggest advocates. They need to see real correlation with how we communicate to them and what we project as a brand. So I, I think my experience in internal comms has absolutely influenced the way that I'm able to approach brand communications. And what do you think internal comms can really learn from the brand discipline as well? 
I suppose, you know, by nature, a brand has to be a bit more externally focused and more aware of competitors and probably a bit more curious about new strategies and new techniques to engage audiences. Um, and, and I think it should really inspire and challenge thinking. And, and that approach can really benefit internal communications and audiences too. But, you know, as I say, where brand and, and internal comms are really aligned on messaging, I think that's when the magic happens. Now, thinking about the relationship between brand and internal comms, one of the things that I've talked about a little bit in recent months is is budgets uh, and money. Okay, so um, I think I read somewhere that the the average internal comms budget is about one to two percent of the average marketing spend per year. Now, I don't know if that's accurate or not. In your experience, would you say that's that's about right? I, I, I suppose I think it's hard. To consider them as mutually exclusive, and I and I say that because you know every every company's got its own priorities and market dynamics. But I think brands and employee engagement budgets can can be thought of as the, one and the same. So for, you know the example I gave with the Paralympics sponsorship is a good one because yes, that sits in a, as a sort of against a brand line, but the benefit is absolutely around colleague engagement. So I think there's there's possibly a perception challenge which is how do we think of all of those brand building initiatives as colleague engagement building initiatives too um, and probably vice versa you know so um, rather than thinking of them as necessarily two very different budgets yeah trying to make sure that they work really hard together and just on that so I mean I read that I think it was in July wasn't it the, the that you announced the sponsorship of the GB Paralympics team and I think I read that one aim of the partnership is to collaborate to challenge perceptions around disability in society and I just wondered to your point about how you know all of this is relevant to employee engagement um, how, how is Booper engaging employees with the diversity and inclusion agenda and how relevant is is this sponsorship to the internal DE&I narrative more generally? I suppose you know it's a huge agenda and it's core to, to Booper to make sure that we are an inclusive company and that we've got a really inclusive culture there's um there's a huge number of initiatives underway to make sure that that happens. There's 85,000 colleagues around the globe, so that's a lot of people to make sure that they are represented. With the sponsorship specifically, and I think what, what has really excited people is the, is the opportunity to acknowledge that we, we've got a lot to learn and that uh, the reason that we're partnering with the Paralympic teams is so that we can do that together. So, you know, we're very early in the sponsorship, as you say. We announced it in, in July and it's now August, but we, um, you know, there's a, there's... Um, a real desire to make sure it's a learning sponsorship and partnership and that means that we'd be looking to do things like invite Paralympians in come and test some of our customer journeys come and tell us what works what doesn't where we can improve we're not partners necessarily because we think that um, we're already great at this we're doing it very much so that we can learn where we can improve and listen to feedback so yeah really excited to be at the start of the journey it's a great sponsorship great partnership Um, how did employees react when they first heard about that so the Sponsorship in the UK is new. We have sponsored in some of our other countries, um, so in Spain, Poland and Chile, um, and the UK is, is, is the latest addition to that. So, you know, really proud to be able to say we're sponsoring uh, around the world now, um, global teams. But the the recent announcement landed incredibly well in the UK. So, um, you know, whether that was sort of on the day, um, we announced it up in um, Salford, where we've got one of our, our biggest locations. It was great. We, we, we heard from the CEO of the Paralympic team and also from a Paralympian, Aaron Phipps, who was really inspiring, um, who won gold in the uh, Paralympic rugby at the recent uh, recent events. Um, but we we were also just really impressed by the way that colleagues responded. We, we found out that we had a few Paralympians of our own now working at Booper. Who really? were 
Yeah, yeah. Um, in, what, in what sport? Uh, we have a, we had a swimmer and we had somebody who's training to be a rower who, um, you know, we're looking to support, you know, going into um, Paris 24. So, uh, you know, it's been a really interesting process. And as I say, we are at the start of it. So more, more to come. But, we, you know, it's it was one of those magic days where uh, you could just feel the energy from our people who were just so proud that we'd made that made that move. Uh, you just touched upon the kind of this, the global nature um, of of Bupa and the business. Um, it, now it's it's a huge business actually. I hadn't realised quite how big it was. I mean, I think you've got eighty four thousand colleagues, yeah. um, thirty eight million customers, right. uh, and operations in Europe, Middle East, India, Asia Pacific, the Americas. I mean, that's a pretty big business. Uh, I'm really interested. I've worked in a global business myself, uh, running internal comms and. I, I always found it a bit of a challenge, but a really exciting challenge to kind of to make sure that all of those markets were engaged and aligned and working together and working working with you. How have you how have you gone about that sort of global comms challenge in your career and at Bupa? We are part way through quite a new strategy, and that was set probably eighteen months ago. The new purpose is helping people live longer, healthier, happier lives and making a better world. And that is a global purpose that really is a bit of a global glue. And then um, underneath that, there are six strategic pillars um, that we are committed to deliver against. And, you know, those span from customer transformation right through to the commitment to our culture and also to sustainability. And those, those pillars are also very unifying. So I think having that structure, that framework, that stability really helps in terms of building the global strategy, but also building relationships. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, all of these things comes down to making sure that you've got aligned goals, aligned priorities, and making sure you've got really good um, good relationships with, with your peers across across those many different countries. Yeah. And Spain, Madrid, is one of the healthy cities as part of the Healthy Cities programme, isn't it? Yes. And, um, could you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the, the Healthy Cities programme is born out of an idea from our colleagues in Spain. So the idea being, can we encourage people, customers to to change their behaviours over a set period? And each year that's sort of set as a challenge. And it's sort of an eight-week period by which we try and get people to commit to 6,000 steps a day, every day, and to leave their car at home at least one day a week. And if they commit to that challenge and then they're successful, a restoration initiative that happens off the back of that and we'll plant trees and we'll invest in, in those in those cities where this has taken place. And and it's it's been really successful not just with um with customers directly, but also with some of our corporate customers who are doing it with their colleagues and their um, their employees. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, been very successful in Spain and it has started in some of our other European countries as well. And there is a, a strong desire to roll that out across the rest of the, the Bupa globe as well, because it's, um, it's a simple but incredibly kind of compelling initiative. Now, you touched a moment ago on Bupa's purpose, uh, helping people live longer, happier lives, and making a better world. Uh, what what was the what was the purpose before that? Was that, that what? Can you remember the the purpose is it always was helping people live longer, healthier, and happier lives. Yeah. And the the new addition is and making a better world. Right. And and you know back to that point on sustainability. That's that's exactly why that's been added. You know the. the commitment that we want to put right there in the center of our purpose that you know we want to have a positive impact on the environment and um you know we're aware that's not always the case with healthcare um and that there's a lot that we can do to try and try and change our our sector um and our industry 
we ran a campaign uh, in 2021 um, called Eco Disruptive, and that's back and about to start again for 2022. I think we worked with something like 500 startups across the globe and came down to one final winner who were a brilliant company called uh, Circular, based in Spain, but who um, who have based their model on recyclable PPE and um, a brilliant initiative that involves working with uh, charities on on how we produce those that clothing as well. So. You know that's just one example, but between eco disruptive, between healthy cities, there's a there's a huge movement underway in terms of how we're uh, living that extra new part of our purpose, making a better world. Yeah, and the the subject of purpose really interests me. I mean, I had a guest on uh, quite recently, Bruce Daisley, who questioned and um, the authenticity of some companies' purposes. And I guess with Bupa, the purpose is pretty authentic, right? It's at the heart of, of, of what you do. So how do you, how, how, to, to what extent does the purpose play in the day-to-day narrative for employees at Bupa? I think it's very present. I mean, it as I say, it's sort of reviewed and amended um, recently and has landed incredibly well. It's very visible, but it's also, you know, spoken about often and guides our decision making um certainly from a brand point of view and it was absolutely the case um from the internal comms um, team point of view as well and you know you hear it spoken from our leaders and from our people equally as a as a bit of a yeah i mean i I think i called it a global glue but absolutely in terms of a way that we can check ourselves and make sure we're on course and the the values which obviously are, are, are kind of um have a strong connection to the purpose i believe you you recently reviewed the values as well and they've been cut from seven to three and just remind me what what are the three values at Booper now uh, the three values that we've settled on are, are brave caring and responsible and you know I, I love those three because i think they sum up the elements of Booper that we want to protect um caring it was one of our previous values and absolutely central to, to the work we do at Booper. but um Brave probably really captures what we want to change about ourselves as well. You know, we talked about that healthcare going through a big period of transformation and there's, a, there's so much opportunity and so much exciting change coming in terms of providing digital healthcare that being brave, um, m- making quick choices, um, doing things differently, that's probably the value that we need to um, develop the most. Um, so it's, yeah, I think those three are a great combination of what we want to protect and w- what we want to change about ourselves. And in terms of, uh, of of cutting back on the values, what was the sort of the, how, the what was the rationale behind cutting back, and how did you go about making that decision? Was that a decision you were part of? Well, the, I think the rationale there's quite practical reasons, which was you know seven was just frankly too many yeah. to remember, and I think we wanted a list of values that really everybody understood and that just felt that they could live by. Um, so I think that that was the beginning of the rationale. Um, I joined sort of at the tail end of the process of those three values being settled upon, um, but it was a very consultative process a lot of the senior leaders inputted but then our people were involved as well and uh, it was a very sort of swift process because I think once we found those three they just made sense they were introduced yeah about a year ago now but what we are enjoying is actually not just launching them but finding new ways to live them and then demonstrating those to to our people so that there's this sort of constant commitment and explanation about what we mean when we when we say brave caring and responsible there's a great dolly parton quote which is know who you are and then do it on purpose and i think having these three values makes it easier for us to know who we are and then easier for us to act with intent against delivering those so yeah yeah, there's a great example of work that we've done recently in um in supporting some of our our colleagues in poland who um who were really impacted off the back of the 
the invasion in Ukraine and are still working with lots of refugees coming to Poland. And it was probably the the biggest example, I suppose, of bravery from us at, at Bupa, which was just how quickly we acted on what should we do in response to, to that situation and how can we support our colleagues in Poland. The team out there have done an amazing job making sure that anyone who comes into the country as a Ukrainian refugee is able to get health care and support from Bupa or Luxmed, as it's called out there and there's a team out there this week capturing sort of footage and finding out how things are going sort of six months in but I think uh, to date we've provided something like 180,000 treatments to um, over 100,000 Ukrainian refugees so um, a great example of us being brave acting quickly um, knowing who we are and doing it on purpose. So one final thing I'd like to talk to you about before we move into our quickfire round is um, storytelling. I chatted to the former CEO of O2, Ronan Dunn, recently, and he was telling me about how the importance of storytelling uh, in his career. And I just wanted to ask, is storytelling a tactic that you've employed in your career and that you currently employ it uh, in your role at Booper? Oh, absolutely, because I think, you know, people respond to information all different types of ways, but... Yeah, there's something really powerful about a, a, a human story uh, to, to bring it to life. And there's there's two examples that spring to mind when you mention that. Um, I suppose one is probably from my talk talk days, but a lovely reflection on data and storytelling, which was um, back in the beginning of the pandemic when um, lots of people obviously working from home. And then we saw this big, big change in our in our network usage at eight o'clock on a Thursday night. And um took a while for us to process what was happening and then we realised that was when everybody had stopped watching Netflix and had gone outside to clap for the NHS for Mm. five minutes and there was a sort of wonderful data chart that was also a story about how the country was responding to the pandemic and I can remember coming back and sort of talking with the technology team and also with our communications teams just to say gosh you know this is gold dust this this a great a, a great story from a chart and so uh, yeah we we sort of enjoyed sharing that with our with our people and and also you know um, being able to share it with uh, different media as well as a sort of a summary of what was happening in in the world at that at that crazy time um there's a there's a lovely example that's come out of some work recently at uh, the Cromwell Hospital where doctors during the pandemic who obviously have to be incredibly protected with PPE you know could be quite an intimidating sight to a child patient and that what they did to try and counter that was to make their face masks uh, have marvel characters and superhero characters and and smiley faces and and I think just just hearing that little anecdote and hearing the the reactions of some of our doctors to to the situations that they were faced with you know they're really powerful stories and they just show we care you know back to the thinking about our our values of being a, a caring and responsible business you know knowing that as a patient in a in, in a in a vulnerable position that that those around you really care about your well-being i think it makes a huge difference Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for a, for a really, really enjoyable conversation. Now, Zoe, there's one thing I'd like you to do before we kind of wrap. And I'd just like to say at this point, listeners won't realise this, but we were actually just interrupted for about half an hour by a fire alarm. So I'd also like to thank uh, Zoe for keeping it together and coming back and finishing the conversation where um, uh, rather than worrying about catching her train. So thank you for that no as well, problem. Zoe. So the quick fire round, what we do is we ask uh, each of my guests to answer six quick fire comms questions in 90 seconds or less. And I'd just like you to, uh, to encourage you to be instinctive. Don't think too much about okay. it. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I think so. Good stuff. Sum up your communication style in three words. Authentic. Fun. Busy. Of all the comms you receive, roughly what percentage do you delete without reading? 
33. What was the last message that landed in your inbox that really grabbed your attention? Update from my team uh, who are out in Poland filming activity uh, at the moment and sent some footage back. Yeah, just hearing how they're doing and excited about what they're about to produce. And what pro- what project are they working on? They are filming some of the Ukrainian refugees who we are sponsoring, um, who are medically trained in Ukraine, and we are helping them to be uh, certified in Poland so that they can practice. So they're out there filming case studies of... Uh, and, and I think so far we've received something like 1,200 job applications from from those medically trained Ukrainian refugees. And uh, we've already employed something like 165 people and, and the process continues. So it's really heartwarming in such tough times. But uh, I, I love reading um, the updates of what we are doing to be able to help there. Amazing. Um, in your opinion, what's the one thing a business can do to boost engagement? Be authentic. Do what you say you're going to do. Um, you know, walk the walk and um, deliver on your promises but and, and, and try hard. It's not always easy. If it was, you know, somebody else would be doing it or or we would already be doing it. And I think just sort of recognising that, you know, all of the things that we're out there trying to achieve uh, are challenging, but that that's what makes it fun. What makes a good communicator, in your words? For me, I'd I'd love authenticity, but, you know, I resonate with humour. I like somebody who, who can explain something simply, even if it's incredibly complex, who can act as a translator I suppose so you know working in healthcare working in telecommunications those aren't straightforward industries there's a huge amount of acronyms Um, it is another language and I think just trying to make sure that people understand what's it all for why are we here let's let's try and keep it simple try and help people understand where they can make a difference and yeah try and try and have some have some humor where where possible as well and which communicator alive or dead do you most admire well, I've already quoted Dolly Parton today, so I think I'm going to have to stick with her. <laughs> My wife will love you for that. <laughs> She's a very wise woman. Brilliant. Zoe, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to hear more from Delete, Delete, Engage, including live updates and early access to each podcast episode, why not sign up to the newsletter at deletedeleteengage.substack.com. <laughs>